please somebody help me say thank you to this worship team, prayer team, hospitality people, cafe, hospitality, frontline folks are doing amazing. Thanks for everything. Let's open our Bibles as almost no one's listening. Let's open our Bibles to the book of Revelation chapter 4. Excellently responded. Uh, okay, we are continuing in the, the book of Revelation. Yeah, yeah, because of what is promised. And that is in chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. So no matter what, I'm going to be blessed. Well, I am. I'm the one reading it. I'm the, actually the one doing the reading. But there's more. Blessed are those who hear it. Ah, and blessed are those who heed it, those who take to heart what is said. Why? Here's also why we're reading it, because the time is near. Revelation reminds us that we need to live with a view of eternity, particularly this morning, a view of heaven. We need to remember that heaven is a present reality, that there is a present, dynamic, loving powerful influence of heaven in our midst, and also we have the assurance of heaven yet to come. All right, if you, you, if you don't have an amen, you should find one, because those were two good spots for them. Now, we've read through the first section, uh, chapters one through three, and, and that's the message to the churches, and we're approaching a shift in the text, and Revelation has a couple of different shifts. We're, we're approaching a shift in the text, and there are some different approaches to how people interpret, really, the rest of Revelation. Now, there are some words, uh, schools of thought that go with that interpretation. If you know those words, then uh, you don't need me to tell you. If you don't know them, you probably don't care. But there are things like historicists, futurists, idealists, preterists, those kinds of things. And Basically, there are, there are just differences in how people think that, you know, the, where the church is in relationship to some of the events there and the, and the Lord's return and how things lay out. But by and large, here's what most people agree on, and here's what we are going to absolutely emphasize irrespective. Here it is. We agree that heaven, eternity is real. And Jesus is coming. And he will have a, a final and ultimate victory over all injustice and evil. And we're all going to eventually, everyone will stand before him. We got quieter. Eventually, everyone will stand before him. If I don't say amen, maybe I can get left out of that one. Uh, no, no, no choice. Everyone will stand. Therefore, here's the therefore, we should live like it. And we should live like it right now. Somebody said right now. Very, very, very good. All right. All right. But as we read this, we want to remember that this is written to specific people at a specific time. And so we need to keep author, audience, and agenda in mind. And yet, because it is written and it's intended for the whole to read it, we need to read it with the same kind of expectation, the same kind of expectation of response, that, there is a, that our hearts, our minds, our lives need to respond to the text as we read it. So Today we're going to go to Revelation chapter 4. We are going to 
with John to the throne room of heaven. Yeah, yeah, very exciting. And, and, and I, we're going to keep a couple of things in mind, even as I read this, keep a couple of things in mind. What, are we, what do we see? What do we hear? And then finally we'll ask, what does all of this mean? Are you ready? Yes. Here we go. Chapter four, reading from the NIV. After this, I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had an appearance of jasper and, and, and ruby and a rainbow that shone like, like emerald and circled the throne. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones and seated on them were 24 elders and they were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. In front of the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. Also, in front of the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. In the center around the throne were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in front and in back. The first creature was like a lion, and the second was like an ox. And the third had the face of a man. The fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. Day and night, they never stop saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures gave glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things. And by your will, they were created and have their being. Oh, what do we see here? And what have we heard? Well, John begins in verse 1 by, with this phrase. He says, after this I looked in the NIV. After this I looked. And this is a, a rhythm, a pattern in the book of Revelation. We'll hear John say something like, after this or after these things I looked. Whenever we hear that phrase, John is giving us a signal that much like today over here, the, the, when the, the, the screen will change. Revelation is a series of visions. Boop, 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 boop. And he gives us a clue that click, click, that the clicker clicked when he says something like, after these things. So we'll know, oh, the, that this is a new vision, a fresh thing that he's looking at. 
And so now that's happened. He has been on the Isle of Patmos. He's seen the risen Christ. And then Kabuma, he says, after these things, there was a, I, I looked, there was a door standing before me. This door standing before him. This is pretty familiar language to John's audience. Uh, the book of Enoch, other uh, 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 second temple literature, pseudepigrapha, all that kind of stuff. Uh, the people that wrote about having visions would use this phrase. And I saw a door. Enoch saw a door and he went up there and he saw all kinds of things. So this was a, oh, there, this, this is indicative of I'm about to see something in the heavenlies. And then I heard this voice speaking to him. He said, the one that was like a trumpet, he's calling the, the readers to remember this is the same one that he saw who's, who's, uh, who, 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 who walked among the lampstands, who held the seven stars, who's, whose face shone like the, like the, like the bright sun before whom uh, John fell down as he was dead, this same voice says, come up here. I'll show you what soon must take place. I'll show you what must take place. This, these words of Jesus introduce us. It, John and the reader leads us in anticipation. He speaks to John. He prompts an urgency and a readiness. This is how we should approach this text, not with speculation, not to sit back and draw pictures, but to lean in with urgency. Would you say urgency? urgency. Verse two, at once I was in the spirit, meaning that what happened to John happened because of and by the Holy Spirit. This was a, a really a gift of the spirit, a vision given to him by the spirit. A UFO did not come down and pick up John and fly him off to Saturn somewhere. He's still on the Isle of Patmos, hasn't physically gone anywhere, but he's seeing this in the spirit. And what he sees is a throne and someone sitting on it. And when he goes to describe it, he doesn't necessarily describe the physical features of the one on the throne. He doesn't say, well, he had you know, you know, brown hair and blue eyes or all, any of that kind of stuff. What he describes is probably all he can really see. And even what he describes, and I tried to read it out loud in that way, even his description, John seems to be grasping at analogies because he's describing the glory that is radiating from the one on the throne. And to do so, he, he uses images of precious stones. He says, like, it was like jasper. He said, it was like ruby. And they said, ah, it was like, it was like, a, it was like a rainbow of, of emerald shining out from him. And then he said, verse four, around that throne were 24 other thrones. And there were 24 elders sitting on them and they were dressed in white and they had crowns of gold. Okay, wait a minute. Let's talk about who these people are. First of all, they're sitting around the throne. They're dressed in white. This, this represents righteousness. They're wearing crowns. These are not uh, crowns of royalty. These are crowns of victory. Now, even if you Google this image, some of the great pictures and paintings over the years usually have these guys wearing these massive, like, oversized hats that should be like a laurel leaf crown like this, around the head. It's a crown of victory. It's the same crown that has been mentioned every single time when the Lord has said, to the one who overcomes, I will give this crown. It's the crown of overcoming. It's the crown of the victor. It's the same kind of crown that was woven together as the crown of thorns. 
and yet they're gold. So they do represent uh, not just they, of, of royalty, but more of, of a priestly nature. So we say, well, who are these 24 elders? Well, we need to remember that in the book of Revelation, almost everything represents something. And so what we see here is this, 24. What's the deal with 24? That's two 12s. This, these represent, first of all, put, just walk with me. We have the 12 tribes of Israel who are the people of God, okay? Beginning with the 12 you know, sons of Jacob, right? Then we have in the New Testament, we have the, Jesus appoints 12 apostles, which become the foundational representation of the New Testament, the New Covenant people. So these 24, in these 24 elders, we have the representation of the Old Covenant people and the New Covenant people. These 24 elders represent the redeemed. They represent the elect. They represent the people of God. And these are seated near the throne. But then there's more. And then out from the throne come flashes of lightning and sounds and peals of thunder. This is always an expression of the might and glory of God's manifest presence. And in Revelation, it usually signals something about to happen. And it will. Next chapter, that's a bit. We'll wait. And there were seven lamps of fire. Now, some of you are turning to chapter five. What happens? Don't turn there. You'll ruin the surprise. Uh, uh, there were seven lamps burning. This is the seven spirits of God. This is the, the, this, the fullness of God's spirit is there. And then in verse six, listen. Also in front of the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass clear as crystal. This is a massive floor-like sea in front of the throne. And it resembles clear crystal or in some uh, translations, it could, it, it's, the same, it's the same concept as ice. No, it's, it's not a skating rink. And no, it's probably not ice so much. The idea is that it is completely tranquil. Not a, not a wave, not a storm. We'll see that's so important in later in Revelation as we see that everything bad comes out of tumultuous seas. But in front of the throne, there is a great sea that is totally tranquil. Heaven is awesome. But there is no troubled waters there. In the center around the throne, there were four living creatures. They've got eyes everywhere and wings everywhere, but, that, but, but John says now, and he identifies them. He says one, one looks like a lion, one looks like an ox, one looks like a man, one looks like a flying eagle. What's he identify here? He, these images, these beings represent the most noble, the most strong, the most wise, and the most swift of creation. In other words, these four Creatures represent the entire living creation, the vital forces of creation. So if you, if you can understand, and this is, we see this already in the books of Isaiah and Ezekiel, these creatures represent, representing creation have, are, are already in the minds of the readers. And, they're, and they're, they've, they've got eyes everywhere, and yet all of their eyes are fixed on one thing. Verse eight, and day and night, they never stop saying. Somebody say never stop. never stop. Say it again, never stop. Never 
This is really important. They never stop saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, who was and is and is to come. So these four creatures who represent all of creation, somebody say creation. They, their whole purpose, their whole unceasing existence is to give praise to the one on the throne. Now, when I say they represent creation, they absolutely do. But if we want to be slightly more specific, they represent all of creation that has breath. All of creation that has breath. And they give, their whole existence is to give unceasing praise. Literally, they do not cease. It's a Greek strong negative. They absolutely never stop saying, holy, 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 holy. They, they affirm with a perfect triad God's absolute moral perfection. And he is the almighty. He has all power, all might. There is no lack in him. He who was and is and is to come is, a, is an expression of the divine name. It is the, an extension of I am. He who was, he is holy, he was holy, he is holy, and he will be. He was almighty, he is, and he will be. Now here's verse nine. Whenever the living creatures give Glory, honor, and thanks. Glory means to give praise or to celebrate. Honor means to attribute value. And thanks means to give joyful appreciation. So let me stretch it out a little bit. So whenever the living creatures praise and celebrate and attribute value to and express joyful appreciation for him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, whenever they do, the 24 elders fall down before him and they say, they lay their crowns before the throne and say, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things. So whenever, whenever the four living creatures say, and when do they say it? When do they not? They, they say it. They, they never stop saying it. They never stop saying holy, holy, holy. But every time they do, the, the, the 24 elders, they fall off their thrones throw their crowns down, and say, you are worthy. And yet they never stop saying holy, holy, so you wonder if they ever actually are sitting on their throne. But more than that, what we see here is the epicenter of the passage. These four living creatures who represent creation, they cry holy. And in response, these 24 elders who represent redemption, they cry worthy. So around the throne of God, nonstop, is the eternal cycle of praise that creation cries holy and redemption cries worthy. And creation cries holy and redemption cries worthy. And creation cries holy and redemption cries worthy. And these songs are important, and what they're saying is absolutely phenomenal. And yet, in a little while, the song changes. But we've got to see how important this one is. We've got to see what John sees in the throne room of heaven and what he hears. And we have to ask, what, what does this mean? What does this mean? How can we respond to this how can we respond to such magnificence, to such worship, to such splendor?
As I was breaking down this passage and sifting through all of the magnificent details, I was trying to glean what might be a central message for the hearer today, how we can respond. And the truth is, it came years ago as I overheard, once again, I overheard someone else, Aaron Brown. I think he actually said it and then he posted it briefly on one of his social media pages and he simply said this about this passage. Brownie said, amidst all the beauty and splendor of heaven, God is the center of attention. And that's it. The throne room is full of awe inspiring beings of light and color and wonder. But it is the one on the throne who outshines, who outradiates, and who overwhelms them all. In the throne room, God himself is the object of unceasing praise of unceasing, joyful praise, thanksgiving, and worship. And no one there is just listening to someone else. Nobody's on their phone. Nobody has arms crossed waiting for the song to get over. It, it, it won't. It's not going to stop. Therefore, the church is never closer to heaven than when she gives unceasing praise. When we are offering glory and honor and thanks to God together with our voices, we are touching heaven. We are joining heaven. We are practicing an awareness of heaven and the present reality of eternity. The church, it is most fitting, it is most powerful, it is most like heaven when we offer praise and worship and thanks to God together. And we are most unlike heaven when we do not. But the church is at her best and her highest in worship. This is our identity. This is our purpose. This is our destiny. So come up here. Someone say come up here. Come up here is an invitation to participate, to behold and to respond, to participate in worship now. It's the first thing John sees. The entire, it begins with a massive worship service. Consider what this would have meant to the original audience. People that were living under persecution, surrounded by poverty and pain, death. People that were threatened even inside infected there was a, a, a the threat of infection of idolatry and immorality the the creeping death of compromise some of the readers were faithful others were faithless and yet they all hear these words come up here and they behold the glory of god 
in His holiness, His wonder. And friends, this, this is so important for us if we'll hear it. That the glory of God, the glory of God's holiness and worthiness casts light, it casts truth, it helps us to align with reality. It exposes how absurd immorality is. It exposes how absurd idolatry is. It exposes the absurdity of compromise. It exposes, it it tells us, hey, we aren't God. God alone is holy and worthy. And our job is to respond to and to live according to his holiness. That our response to who he is, the response to his holiness is be holy. And the response to his worthiness is our unfettered, unhindered devotion to him. It is not for us to engage in the trivial matters of trying to accommodate sin and excuse idolatry or to fuss or to get caught up in the mundane and the temporary, but to live like people who are stamped with eternity. What greater message could these seven churches have heard than to be reminded that they have been stamped with eternity, that there is a God in heaven right now who is the object of unceasing praise. This is the one who has called us. This is the one who has loved us. And we, we are those who respond to him with unceasing praise and devotion. People who live with the view of heaven should, in a way, be glassy-eyed, glowing-faced people. Like Moses coming down from the mountain, his face radiant because of who he had been looking at. We should be people that others recognize we have been looking at something wonderful. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 says this, But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, from glory to glory. So I think I'd like us to respond to this passage this morning with an urgency to come up here and join with all of heaven in giving glory and honor and thanks to the one who is holy and worthy. And then today, as we leave this place, Let us leave with a greater awareness of heaven and then live like it. Come up here. Come up here. Let's stand together. Holy, holy, holy,
is the Lord God Almighty. If you want to find a place to respond, the front is wide open for you. Worthy, worthy. find your kids or pick them up that's fine you certainly may if you need to, if you need to jet please go with a greater awareness of heaven and live like it but if you'd like to remain find a place across the front we're going to continue just to wait upon the lord and worship you're welcome to come and participate around the throne Thank you. 